First Psalm through nine. This is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. And now, John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. The Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, it'd be nice to be young again and be able to flop up and down those steps like, like I noticed Paul and everybody. Isn't God good? There's a, there's a verse of scripture. It's um, <clears throat> Isaiah 61.10. Let me tell you how happy God has made me. He's loaded me with righteousness and draped about me a robe of salvation. Every time I think it's from the Living Bible, Every time I think of that, it just fills me with love for him. I have a prayer this morning for our service. I, you know, you get so much out of study when you get prepared for the message that you're going to bring. So much fun. And, and you just get so filled. And your prayer really in the final analysis is that you might just get a touch of it just a little bit of it, and feel the same joy, the same thrill that uh, I think the preparer does as he prepares for his message. Because the word of God is so rich and so full and so wonderful. Um, John in the Psalms. Uh, you know, if I really feel like I want to study like, I, I really want to, you know, feel close to the Lord. Um, I might get a hold of, not close to the Lord, but just want to really use my, my mind. 
I'll go to Romans or Hebrews or Ezekiel or Isaiah. But if in my heart, I just want to be fed, or in my heart, I just want to feel close to God, I open up the Psalms or I turn to the book of John. Because for some wonderful reason, they're so rich. You know, if you want to know how to praise God, just start in verse nine, or Psalm 90 and go through most, almost all the way to the end because it's, it's just a basket of praise, just a way of, of filling ourselves with joy and praise to God. And then the book of John. If you want to get into to, to John, why you have this tremendous uh, closeness this almost like, um, you know, it's almost blasphemous, almost a buddy-buddy feeling. But you know, just as the Psalms was the Old Testament hymn book, in fact, many churches today still use the Psalms as their hymn book in the Psalter. But the book of John, uh, the book is the book of sevens. You know, the book of the Revelation is the book of the sevens. It's not on... Uh, it seems logical that the writer of the one is the writer of the other. There are seven miracles in the book of John. The book is built around those seven miracles. Uh, there are seven I am statements that are in the book of John. Um, there are seven reasons for sickness in the book of John. There are seven water chapters in the book of John. And uh, that, that idea of the seven is carried even into the book of the Revelation. But there are two major themes, and John gives them to us actually in verse 4 of chapter 1. And we're going to look at that as we go through the, uh, the, the message this morning. But those two major themes are life and light. They're, um, uh, they're just given to us, and they're given to us in this sense that the Lord Jesus Christ is both God and man. And the second idea is that we have a spiritual life, that Jesus Christ is both God and man, God incarnate in the flesh, and that we have a spiritual life. We have a physical life, and then when we're born again, we have a spiritual life as well. Um, just as our Lord has two identities, God and man, after we come to know him, we also have two identities. We have a physical life and we have a spiritual life. That spiritual life wasn't ours until we came to know him. But like him, we become dual in the sense. Now, we certainly don't come anywhere near him because he had a physical life and a spiritual life, but of course, his was so much above ours. But nonetheless, it was by his grace that he enabled us to have just a taste uh, of that beautiful picture of what it's like to, to, to live physically as well as to live spiritually. And, and that's kind of what we want to do today. We want to look at those, that theme. You know, we want to look at the fact that we have food and drink. 
and we have light and life. And that is explained in, uh, in the communion. What we're going to do through words this morning, we're going to take physically at the end of the service. We're going to actually, literally, partake of food and drink, life and light. And so, uh, let me read Psalm 36 again. I want you to, I want you to pay real close attention um, to just one particular thing. Uh, the four words that are contained in Psalm 36 that make up our, our, our message, really, this morning. Um, and that's uh, feast, um, drink, life, and light. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Food and drink, life and light. Let's look at um, food and drink. They feast on the abundance of your house, and they drink from the river of your delights. Now, the first thing that we want to see is the fact that one of the beauties of coming to know the Lord and feasting upon both the physical and the spiritual life is the contentment that we have. Uh, <clears throat> when I was a kid growing up, my dad used to say to me, Jim, you want to be happy? Be content with what you got. You know, I said, I'd never tell my kids that. I heard it so much. You know, when I would say, I want more, I want this, I want that, he'd say, Jim, you want to be happy? Be content with what you got. He had another one. Uh, you want to know how to save money, Jim? Just spend less than you earned. He was, he was full of all kinds of good little sayings, but nonetheless, you think about that. If you want to be happy, you want to be content with what you have. And that's literally what that's saying. I used to, uh, I used to counsel <clears throat> at the Christian Counseling Center. I used to do all their free pe the freebans that came in for them. And there was one guy. He even came here for a while. I think his name was Lester. Doesn't matter what his name was. But Lester had uh, a lot of problems. But he lived wondering only one thing, food and drink, and a place to live. That was his, that was his life. <clears throat> uh, maybe some of you remember him. He used to pull a wagon around uh, up and down Road Boulevard years ago. I remember seeing him. But he used to be so concerned as to whether or not he was going to have enough food for the day and a place to sleep that night. And I used to think, as, as I would sit there and talk with him, I used to think, you know, if, if somehow you could understand that you have a God who cares for you so much that is more than willing to provide for you. He will provide all of your needs. 
And when we drink and we feast on him, we have this ability to be content with what we've got. Now, not only are we content with what we've got, but we have the ability to rejoice in our gifts. You know, one of the reasons that we have a church is that each of you have a gift. And the beauty of the church is this church is here so that you have an opportunity to use your gifts, that you have an opportunity to put them to work. It's so sad that so many people use the church only for worship on Sunday morning. When here they are, gifted with great resources to give to the body, to build the body up. Now, the idea of the gift is just that, to build the body up, to make the body grow in grace. So we have this uh, beautiful gift that God has given us to be used for his purpose and for his grace. Now, we can also drink freely of the grace of God. You can look back on your life. One of the strongest evidences that you have that you're even a Christian is the past, is to look back over your life and see all of the places where, where God got a hold of you and took you through the rough times Remember that, remember that story? I always liked that story of the, <clears throat> the guy who, who was looking back over his life and he saw all these two sets of footprints. And God said, that's where I walk with you. And every now and then there would be one set of footprints. And he would say, what happened there? Did you leave me? No. He said, that's when I carried you. That's when you needed me most. And that's the idea of drinking um, from the river of his delights. The, um, the Lord chose communion. Um, he chose a common meal for communion, bread and juice. Do you realize that um, in that time when the book was written, that was a very normal meal. That would be, they might throw in a little bit of cheese, but not always. Uh, I've been in very few foreign countries, but I've been given bread and drink for lunch because that's a very common lunch. Why did he then choose bread and juice or bread and wine to show communion. Well, because he wants us every time we sit down to realize that he's provided it for us. That's why we say grace before a meal. That's why we thank him. It not only sets it apart, but it also shows that we realize that what we have comes from him by his very hand. It's as though he's carrying us. It's as though we feel the power of his presence. Every meal that we get together is a reminder of his grace. It's a reminder of what he's done for us. It's a way of simply drawing close. Now, you realize 
that that same meal can be ours when we read his word. We can just as easily be filled with his grace by reading his word as we can by eating food. And so when we realize that life and light and food and drink is a way of our understanding the closeness that we have with him. Now, now let's look at light, life and light. <laughs> Do you know that light, it's an interesting word, it has 49 different meanings. Can you imagine that? The dictionary is full of meanings for the word light. Can be taken so you can take me lightly. There's so many different ways. But you know, it's also interesting to me that the word life in the book of John is used over 35 times. Now that's just L-I-F-E. That, that's none of the, of, the, of the words that would come from life. And like I told you earlier, life and light is the picture of the book. It, it's, it's what he's trying to tell us that the book is built around. It, in fact, you remember at the end of the book, he says, these things have I written unto you that you may have life. So you see, the idea of life and light is the very essence of the book. The word light appears 23 times in the book. In verse 4, he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, certainly, when, uh, when John sat down to write the book, you know, I, my, my daughter gave me a, a tremendous book for Christmas. Um, I just, I finished it. And uh, I remember the guy's name, Anthony, Anthony Brooks. But it was Anthony Brooks with, and I don't remember his name, but uh, I could have looked it up, but I let Alan read the book, so I don't have it. But um, that's almost like John. You know, this is the book of John, but you know, we should put underneath there, with the Holy Spirit. And I think as John sat down to write his first John, or not his first John, but his book of John, it, it's almost certain to me that John said, that, that the Holy Spirit says, here's the book of Genesis, and here's Psalm 36, 7 through 9. Of course, it wasn't written in verses then. Uh, numbered anyway. But I want you to understand, he said, that this is the essence of what I want you to put down. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Lord said, let there be light. Now, what do you suppose he meant when he said, let there be light? He certainly didn't mean the sun. That didn't happen till the fourth day. What do you suppose he meant? You notice darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Lord said, let there be light. I believe that life and light is nothing more than the essence of life itself. And light itself is the intelligence of light. In other words, 
God said, let there be a way to overcome darkness. You realize, I'm certainly not a scientist, but you realize if there were no lights, there would be dark. You realize how important light is. Without light, there's very little life. What does grow in the dark is not something you generally want to be around anyhow. So life and light become the essence of life, the essence of, of what we are, the picture of what we are. Um, it's the essence of creation. Um, the Lord created a, ma a world for man to live in. And without life, without light, there's very little light, life. In fact, um, I certainly want to live in a world of darkness. So God gave us light as he gives us intelligence, the ability to understand, the ability to grasp like him. You know, trees, plants, they have life. But they don't think. Now, it's interesting that trees have a, a way of thinking. Uh, I used to trim the, the, uh, the, the leaves off of the trunk of my trees. And I asked someone one time, well, what time, why do these leaves start growing there on the side of the tree? And they said, the tree wants to protect itself from the sunlight. It wants to protect its bark from the sun. Said, yeah. But, you know, it, it can, in a way, it has life. We know when it's no longer living. But then God gave us animals. Now, animals, uh, I like what Hugh Ross said. Hugh Ross called them soulish. They not only have the ability to live, but they also have the ability to do things. They're ambulatory. They, uh, I don't know how much they think. I have no idea. But you know what? It's only God. I mean, it's only man who is made in the image of God that builds churches. I don't care how intelligent an ape is. I don't care how much you can teach him. He's never built a church. They're there to bring glory to God in their being. But man can do something they can't do. Man can sin. And so that's why we need light. To overcome the darkness that sin produces in our life. Um, I just... Uh, I just think that food and drink are life's essentials. I think they are existence and intelligence. I think the first time that God spoke, let there be light, I think the reason he chose to say that's the first time he ever spoke was to let us know that he was going to make a man, that he had made this world, and he was going to make a man, and he was going to put that man in it, and that man was going to be 
his image bearer. You know, back to my dad. Every time I walked out the door, especially when I started driving the car, but every time I walked out the door, my dad would say to me, remember your name. <laughs> and another thing I said I'd never say to my kids, remember your name. What was he saying? He was saying, Jim, you've got my name. And you can go out there and you can make it look pretty bad. Remember who you are. Don't shame the family, Jim. I don't know whether we even think of that today. I, you know, this mass murder, the latest one. What did they do with his family? Took his mom and dad and indicted them. Can you imagine if we are the light of the world? And that's exactly what God calls us, the light of the world. Do you realize how important that is? That when we walk out our door, we carry our Father's name? He didn't give that to the animals. Because they don't have the Spirit of God dwelling within them. Now, we're going to take communion. We're going to do physically what we've been talking about spiritually. We're going to receive these elements. And the whole purpose of them is to show us that, yes, we have a physical life. You know, this is gross. Forgive me for this, but it's very important. Do you realize that in order for you and me to live, something had to die? I don't care whether it's a plant or an animal. In order for us to live, something had to die. In order for us to have a spiritual life, Christ had to die. But, he had to raise again to justify us, to enable us, to be that image bearer, to be that light, to be the one that, that can go out and represent him to a world in desperate need of him. Spiritual life is fed by the living word of God. And by the light of understanding that he gives, and he gives to man because man has the intelligence, the intellect, the ability to receive light. Communion puts the words together. A sumptuous meal of understanding and an appetizer of what is yet to come. Can you imagine when we sit down in heaven and what we eat will not come from something that has died? I have no idea what kind of a meal he's got in mind for us. But he talks about our eating 
but it won't be from something dead. It'll be from something special. And it will be the greatest feast that we've ever had. And you know what? That'll make us happy. It'll make us happy and happier than we've ever been in our whole existence. We'll be with the God who loved us so much that he died for us. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father God, Let me tell you how happy you've made me. You've draped about me a robe of righteousness and you've clothed me with salvation. And oh God, how exciting. You've made us the light of the world. What a privilege. How truly thankful we are. We pray in Jesus' name.